Back-to-back titles in the Quaker State, next on Bullpen. Hey everybody, welcome to Bullpen, the show that takes a look at teams of old and applies the roster rules of the teams of today. Well, sort of the teams of today. We're not going to be talking about taxi squads and all the other weirdness going on this year in Major League Baseball. We're just going to assume that these old teams that had a big bench and a small bullpen, well, they gotta do it the other way. So let's start off with the back-to-back champions from Pennsylvania. Yeah, there was a rare time in recent memory when Pennsylvania had back-to-back world champions, the 1979 Pittsburgh Pirates, followed immediately by the 1980 Philadelphia Phillies. So we'll start on the west side of Pennsylvania with the Pittsburgh Pirates of 1979, the We Are Family Pirates. And they had quite a team. Ed Ott was your primary catcher on the staff. Willie Stargell, near the end of his career at first base. Renee Stinnett at second base. Tim Foley at short. And Bill Madlock at third. Bill Robinson was your everyday left fielder. Omar Moreno in center. And Dave Parker in right field. All right, first thing we're going to need is a backup catcher. And we had a couple options there. We had Manny Sanguian and Steve Nicosia. Sanguian got into 56 games, but Steve Nicosia played in 70 games and got 191 at-bats. So he seems like the easy choice with his four home runs and 13 RBIs. And hit 288, slightly better than Ed Ott's 273. Although Ed Ott, you know, provided other things. So we've got our backup catcher. Now we need a backup infielder. And you had... John Milner on this team. He also had Dale Barra getting some time in along with Frank Tavares, but this one seems like an easy one for Phil Gardner, the future Milwaukee manager nicknamed Scrap Iron. Played a lot of third base, but he could bounce all around if need be. In fact, he got into 150 games that season, bouncing all around with 11 home runs, 59 RBIs, and a 293 average. So yeah, that seems like an easy one. Now we need a backup outfielder, Lee Lacey. Had the most time in the outfield, and it was only 84 games, 182 at-bats with 5 home runs and 15 RBIs. Mike Easler was also on this team in his younger days, and he got into a handful of games. This was kind of an Iron Man outfield, though, because Bill Robinson played in 148 games, Dave Parker 158 games, and Omar Moreno played in every single game, almost had 700 at-bats. So I think we have to go, in this case, with Lee Lacey, just as your backup outfielder, because you gotta have one, even though it seems like... You don't really need one. They don't miss a lot of games out there. All right, let's turn our attention to the pitching staff and how that's going to shake out. You know, a lot of teams these days carry 14 pitchers every day of the season. Well, the 1979 Pirates used 14 pitchers all season long. Like, that's it. They didn't use any more than that. Burt Blylevin was the ace of the staff, followed by John Candelaria, Bruce Keeson, Don Robinson, and Jim Rooker in the starting rotation. The bullpen had Kent Taculvey closing out games with Jim Bibby, Enrique Romo, Grant Jackson, and Dave Roberts getting some pitching time out there. They did get at 57 innings and a few starts from a very young Eddie Whitson. Joe Coleman, Doc Ellis, and Rick Roden also got into a handful of games as well. In the modern day, though, they'd have to be shuttling some guys up and down from the minor leagues, and there were some options down there. Jim Willoughby, at age 30, was down in the minor leagues with a 2.85 ERA in 24 games, so he was definitely an option. They also had young Dan Worthen, Rick Jones, Mike Pazic, and Rod Scurry down there as well, along with an older minor leaguer like Dick Pohl and future Major League star Pasquale Perez, also a AAA. They had a few guys down there who did never make it, though, including starting pitcher Greg Field, who went 4-13. But he did get into 22 starts. There's always that saying, if you're going to lose that many games, you have to be a pretty decent pitcher to get the ball that many times. So we've looked at the 1979 Portland Beavers. Let's go down to the 1979 Buffalo Bisons. 
where you could find a few more future major leaguers, Fred Brinning down there, Stu Clyburn, Bob Long, and Dave Dravecki at age 23, all playing for that club. But a few guys down there never made the major leagues, like Charles Valley in 10 games, he had an ERA of 216 and a 2-0 record. Also, James Johnston had a 386 ERA in two games, while James Smith, Alan Griffin, and Ricky Evans, probably the next best pitchers on that team, but none of those guys made the major leagues either. So they had a few options. Would they still be the world champs? Yeah, they were pretty tough that year, so... I think you still have to give it to Pittsburgh. Now let's travel across the state to the 1980 Philadelphia Phillies, your world champions, from the other side of the state, and they also had a pretty complete lineup. Bob Boone was your everyday catcher. Pete Rose got into 162 games at first base, Manny Trio at second, Larry Boa at short, and Mike Schmidt at third. Your outfield consisted on an everyday basis of Greg Lozinski, Gary Maddox, and Bake McBride. So first we need a backup catcher on this team. Your options of the young side were guys like Ozzie Virgil and Don McCormack in their younger days. But 26-year-old Keith Moreland was your everyday backup catcher in this case. The future Cubs outfielder and third baseman was a catcher at this time. And he got into 62 games, 159 at-bats, four runs, 29 RBIs, and he actually hit 314. Hitting was never a problem for Keith Moreland. So I think you get to keep him around as your backup catcher. Even though he can bounce around, he can play third in the outfield. So you do have other options there. Granted, when your third baseman's Mike Schmidt, you don't really need a lot of backup third baseman. Backup infielder? Looks like the utility infielder on this team is going to have to be Ramon Aviles. Get into 51 games on this squad, 101 at-bats, two home runs, nine RBIs, and a 277 average. Now, luckily on this team, you've got Manny Trio, who can also play short and third in a pinch, and Pete Rose also played second and third in his career, so you had some options if you absolutely had to move things around, but not being able to carry multiple backup infielders, that eh, could put you in a pinch. Backup outfield, well, there were some other options. George Vukovic was on this squad, so was a very young Bob Dernier. Del Unser, as I said, could also play the outfield a little bit, but this one, oh, I almost forgot pinch hitter Greg Gross, but yeah, you're not really using him as a backup outfielder. A career pinch hitter like Greg Gross probably would have a tough time finding a team in this day and age. Lonnie Smith gets the nod from me at 100 games that season for the Phillies. He had three home runs, 20 RBIs, stole 33 bases, and hit 339. So yeah, it's hard not to give the job to Lonnie Smith as your fourth outfielder on the squad. So now we've narrowed down our bench. We get to expand our bullpen. Through the course of 1980, the Phillies used a total of 17 pitchers, mostly a certain 10 at once. Steve Carlton was the ace, obviously, with a 24-9 record. He was followed in the rotation by Dick Ruthven, Bob Walk, Randy Lurch, and a split between Nino Espinosa and Larry Christensen kind of split that fifth spot in the rotation. The bullpen consisted of Tug McGraw as your closer, with Ron Reed, Dickie Knowles, Kevin Saucier, and Warren Brewstar. They also had some appearances in the season from Dan Larson, Liren Legro, Marty Bystrom, Sparky Lyle, Mark Davis, and Scott Munninghoff. So you'd make a bullpen out of that, but if you wanted to shuttle some guys around, you certainly had options. We'll go down to the 1980 Oklahoma City 89ers, where you could find some future major leaguers, like Jerry Reed, Cliff Speck, and John Poff. But you could also find some guys who never made it, like Dennis Misick, who had an ERA of 214, Carlos Arroyo, who in 46 games had 13 saves and an 8-6 record. Burke Sutter also down there with a 9-6 record. And Jose Martinez, the only other pitcher at AAA for the Phillies that year, who would never pitch in the major leagues. For the AA reading Phillies, they also had a number of future major leaguers, but not quite as many. The big one being Mark Davis, who in 28 starts went 19-6 as a 19-year-old. Of course, he would find success as a closer in the major leagues. Jerry Reed, Dan Larson, and Cliff Speck, the other guys down there, 
who would eventually make the major leagues. But a few other guys down there had decent seasons. A guy named John Realhorn in 16 starts went 9-3 and three with a 276 ERA, never pitched in the major leagues. Jim Rasmussen in 18 starts went 8-5 and five with a 330 ERA. The closer was a guy named Ernest Gauss. Although he wasn't quite as good as those guys. He had a 560 ERA and 10 saves and a 2-9 record. So certainly some options to keep the 1980 Philadelphia Phillies afloat. And I think they would have easily won the World Series that year as well. So let's look back at the back-to-back champions from the state of Pennsylvania. Next time on Bullpen, a tale of two starts. We're going to look at the red-hot Cincinnati Reds when they went wire-to-wire in 1990. And then we're going to flip the script and look at the... Baltimore Orioles the season they started 0-23. Oof, that, that was a rough year in Baltimore. So please join me next week on Bullpen. And yes, hopefully next week. I know the last couple shows we've had a week off in between, but we should be back on schedule now. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon. All roster information and statistics provided by BaseballReference.com.